0: Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Philip Beverly, Julia Klein, Mike Corman, and Chris Robling. Our program tonight, Comedy of Borrowed Base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll free lines are open at 1 800. 723 80289 That's one 800 723 80289 Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. If you want to send me an email, it's Bruce dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And, of course, you can join us on the World Wide Web at BeyondTheBeltway.com, both the audio and video portion of this program. And, again, uh, starting a few weeks ago, uh, live every Sunday night at our Facebook page, the Beyond the Beltway. They... Okay. Facebook page where, again, you can watch the show and also participate uh, by uh, sending your, your comments in. So we've got lots, again, uh, as I've said many, many times uh, since Donald Trump walked onto the political stage, we never have a problem finding what we're going to talk about. It's trying to uh, bring it down to two hours, so we've got lots to talk about. I want to begin by uh, talking about something that obviously had a lot of buildup, and that was the, uh, the on-again, off-again summit between the president and and North Korea. Their North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. Chris Roebling, uh, tell us in in a few words, if you will, what was the most significant thing about that to you? Well, I think the most significant thing is that it took
1: place uh, that Kim Jong-un showed up and appeared to be interested in the process. And we know that the Trump team is one that Understands the Korean policy of cheat and repeat, so I think they're not going to be snookered, uh, and and that could lead to some measure of peace on the peninsula that we haven't seen in seventy years.
0: Philip Beverly, you're one of our card-carrying Democrats this week. Your response to the summit?
2: Um, all sizzle, no steak. You meet this long, and where's the details? You got to have something. Don't say, "Oh, I, I like the guy," and there's great beachfront property, and th- that's ridiculous. This is a this is a, a brutal, dictatorial regime that is probably the top two or three violators of human rights on the should planet. We have,
0: should we have met with them?
2: Well, I I don't know. I guess I'm still struck by the hypocrisy of my friends at Fox News who, when uh, Barack Obama was asked would he meet with them, and he said yes, there was this hysteria on their part. And now there's this, oh, he deserves the Nobel Peace Prize now for meeting with the dictator. I'm just confused by it all.
0: Mike Corman joins us making his first appearance. Nice to have you with us. You are a Master Chief Sergeant of the U.S. Navy. Again, you're, you're wearing many medals on your chest. For those uh, who are listening in, in Radioland, uh, you're well decorated uh, with your Navy career. What was your, as a military man, what was your reaction to uh, what you saw and how the President conducted himself?
3: Well, we've had uh, you know many, many years of, of uh, occupation, you could call it, American soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines serving in Korea, so we have a long history there of service. Uh, I think it can't hurt. I think one of the things that frustrates me on both sides of the aisle is, is whether it was President Obama or President Trump, the other side is always gnashing their hands and teeth about even the appearance of getting together. Uh, maybe nothing will come from this, but maybe something will. And I think we have to give it a shot. Nothing else has worked up to this point in 50 years.
0: Julia Klein joins us, one of our other Democrats. Julia, nice to have you with us. Thank you
4: very much, Bruce. Uh, Your reaction? So, um, yeah, the the president said that uh, problem solved. And I actually agree with him. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, uh, let's take it as a given, I take it as a given, that our current president is a doofus. Mm -hmm. And no meaningful diplomacy is going to happen as long as he's in office. It's just not. And the number one problem with North Korea is that they could bomb everybody. And it's my opinion, and of course I don't have any factual basis for this. None of us do. None of us have any idea what those two leaders said to one another. But it's my opinion that... Trump and or Pompeo and the advance team said, look, Kim Jong-un, you and I are both superficial guys who care more about our public face than we do about anything else. So I tell you what, I, Donald Trump, promise that I will not remove you from office if you promise that you aren't going to fire off any of your missiles. We got a deal? I think Kim Jong-un said yes. And I think What's that's wrong
0: what with that deal? I
4: don't think there's anything wrong with that deal. But I think that that it's obviously an extremely unsophisticated approach. I'm not a foreign policy expert. Others at the table have more expertise than I do. But, you know, no human relations... Any, but anybody who follows the world news understands that it is one of the, the hotbeds of the world. And, you know, there's South Korea, there's Japan, there's China, there's Russia. There's, there's many players. There's lots of complex stuff going on. But I believe that the immediate problem of will the North Korea drop nuclear weapons or even do, do a, um, a regular attack on South Korea, is that going to happen? No. I okay. believe as long as, this, as long as our doofus is in office, that that has been taken off the table.
0: Okay, so well now now let, how let, does let that me. make him a doofus? I don't uh, know. Well, I mean, you got fifty million people. Here is my follow up to you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I know you want to talk about what Julia said, but also want to follow up on what Phil just said. Sure. Do you, uh, do you agree that whenever the details come out, and there have been very few details right. other than obviously the personal relationship between these two guys, and I think, uh, I think he's less likely to fire off a, you know, a, 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 a weapon against uh, Los Angeles than he was three months ago. My question to you is, do you believe the United States Senate must ratify this and it can't just be a deal between two guys?
1: Well, I, you, we don't have a deal right now. We have an agreement to right. work on a deal.
0: Should it be? Uh, I personally,
1: I personally believe that something of this gravity and moment and significance for the safety of so many lives—Korean, Japanese—as Julia said—here, are all of these people. I think it should become a treaty for the United States if it, if it is you know, well thought out and well expressed. And I, I agree uh, with Philip, and, and I agree in part with Julia. You know, we didn't see – it was sizzle. There wasn't a lot of steak. There wasn't a lot of substance. This is not the situation that we had, say, in the 1970s or 80s with summits between the United States and the Soviet Union where there were ongoing institutionalized arms talks in places like Vienna or Geneva at a staff level with very great technical sophistication where they were working up agreements constantly that would get to the summit level. And there, this, had, been,
0: and there had been communication between the two countries for decades. Oh, yeah, and this this is a different situation. And, there, and, and there's, there's something else here yeah. that's, that's a little troubling
2: for me, and it's coming off of the abrogation of the agreement that we had with Iran. right? And it, how are we supposed to be trusted when... An agreement is in place that does have details. Is it perfect? I don't think so. I don't know that there's anything in a, the political realm that has ever been perfect. So that that argument is specious at best to, to Wait, be made. Which one? That, which argument? That, that there's g- going to be a perfect arrangement or perfect uh, agreement
5: We've well, we got be 10 years yeah.
2: to work out the next level of agreement with Iran, and he tosses that away. What makes anybody believe that we're to be trusted
1: to, to even follow an agreement I the that quick the an- Senate would ratify? The, the quick answer there is the Iran agreement, as we all know, was not ratified by the Senate. And if this is ratified by the Senate, it becomes the law of the land. And in that sense, it's not repealable by any given president. We've
0: got to pause. one 800 from coast to coast and border to border. Join the discussion. How did you feel? about the summit between the president and, and uh, North Korea. And, again, what was your reaction when you saw their flag next to our flag? Back shortly. Bruce Dumont, we're back in Chicago. Thanks very much. Let's go to the calls. Let's go to Scott listening to in Austin, Texas, on KLBJ. Go ahead, Scott.
6: First, I'd like to agree with the Master Chief that it's a long, long past time for the two parties to quit saying the other side has cooties and will only pass stuff if our guy's in office. Second, For the last 60 years until about a week or so ago, propaganda in North Korea was all about uh, facing ultimate or or, or certain destruction from the U.S. This last week, they're talking about positive, the future, economic good times coming and all that. Plus, Trump actually was able to take the office of the president and say, you know what, saving the Korea, saving Japan, saving us is more important than the dignity of the office of the president. I'm going to go talk to this guy since he's offering a chance. I don't think that either one of these guys are all sizzle and nothing else. I think that they're really into solving this problem, and you know, Trump at least is willing to take the chance that Kim offered.
0: Fair well, enough. I think I, I think <laughs> I agree with your comment. The one thing I would say is I think that uh, both sides, maybe maybe Trump more than Kim Jong Un, I think both sides are going to want to have a series of summits. There's already been the talk about uh, Kim coming to Washington and the president going uh, to, to North Korea. Uh, I think these things are going to be spread out, mm-hmm. maybe leading up to just before the 2020. I mean, it was very interesting that uh, that the Secretary of State said this is all going to be wrapped up, denuclearization before the 2020 election. He didn't say election, but we certainly know what that's about. Mm-hmm. And I think that each side knows that they sort of need the other side, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to both sides. Obviously, are going to use the other side. I mean, that makes sense yeah, for both. Well, here is where I'm going to disagree with what Julia said.
1: I, I I don't think that obviously I don't think the president is a doofus, and I think that we have seen already in his 18 months in office some incident in, in, instance of significant diplomacy and indeed victory. Okay, and specifically here, um, what he got. President Qi of China to do relative to the sanctions regime yes. on North Korea, uh, North Korea um, unquestionably was a proximate cause of the fact they were able to have the summit. And what Qi did on the sanctions, which no one in China had ever done before, no one in China, we don't know if any of our prior presidents, Obama or Bush or Clinton – had asked the Chinese to do this before. But he clamped down on the bank accounts of the leading members of that regime and he forced the crisis right into their family pocketbooks. That was not Trump. It was not Korea, South Korea. It wasn't Japan. That was the Chinese. And I, I, Julia has a deeply felt, sincere position that she thinks the president. God bless her. But I think that was a diplomatic success for which he deserves recognition and credit. Now, it doesn't mean he's Henry Kissinger. It doesn't mean that this is the peace of Westphalia. But it is it, without that, and therefore he built an architecture to get this guy to the table, and that's a significant accomplishment. And it, no, com- am- and it comes
2: at what cost, though? Does it come at the cost of us working in concert with our allies? You're going to withdraw... Readiness exercises with your closest ally in this whole situation and not tell them. And we think that's a diplomatic
1: victory. Come on, Chris. Did South Korea complain?
2: Yeah, they did. Actually, they
1: They sort of said they said we weren't informed. But South Korea is not out there dumping on the agreement.
4: So before, well, well, that, uh, that, happened, able- that happened after. Let me respond to Chris's uh, criticism of what I said. I agree with you that the sanctions put on North Korea by China were the primary driver of what happened. But if you think that China did what, that Xi did what he did because of anything Donald Trump said, come on. Donald Trump had no impact on Xi's actions, uh, unless ex- – with the possible exception of his uh, crazy rhetoric on Twitter – to the extent that that insane, unsafe gamble had an effect on making South Korea and China say, holy cow, the United States might actually flip out this yes. time? Yes,
0: so it wasn't so crazy and insane. Yes, it was crazy and That's insane. Still yeah. crazy it still crazy and insane. Was. Oh, it so, was because not. So because It was Because something doesn't it work, was. does it mean that it's not crazy, crazy yeah, and Absolutely insane. it was. It got the attention of the other side because they thought this guy – could do that. No, well, well, so well, my, well, my, let me Mike. ask Mike. Mike. Let's see. So, Mike.
3: L- listen, there were a whole lot of meetings that, ha- that, that happened before the summit with North Korea. Yes. They were in China. They were in the United States with the Chinese in multiple locations. A lot of these discussions happened with our allies just behind the scenes, and we didn't see them. There's all kinds of leverage points here that we are not going to be privy to. Right. You cannot tell me that one set of exercises this summer is going to dramatically impact the readiness of our allies, one set of exercises that if North Korea changes their mind, we can go back and do. Flying B-52s over that country is not something we need to do today.
4: That speaks I more agree. to the doofusness of our president because you're, I'm sure you're correct militarily, but yes. but what he said, he said off the cuff. Like since when he says he everything matter, off the cuff? Yes. The, and what <laughs> makes when? that okay? Well, exactly. What, I, I what makes okay. that I okay? The United States cannot say things like that without even telling our military ahead of time. It's irresponsible. But it's been happening
0: since he was elected. That's
4: what makes him a doofus. That's my point. But
0: here's the point: the fact that he says something off the cuff. Or from dementia. and, And then frequently follows up on it. Frankly, that's the reason why a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump, and some people maybe that didn't, still like the idea. He's not He's not looking at the State Department textbook and says, okay, right. we're going to send you know the Deputy Assistant Attorney General or, or uh, right. Secret Secretary of State over, and they're going to meet, and they're going to talk, and they're going to have lunch, and they're going to – I mean, for 15 years, and then they're going to continue to build weapons. He's not doing that. I, I'm not going to – And by the way, no, no one – I mean, it's amazing to me that Democrats and people in the media – Still don't get still it. Are still on a daily basis. Yeah. They're shocked, they shocked at
1: Donald yeah, but, Trump. But, Philip, look, no, look, look, I'm Philip, not shocked. From the standpoint... I'm just disappointed from... okay. well, that Philip, this, this is su- how you... this yeah. is going. But the but time for that was November 2016. Philip, I want to tell you, it drives me to distraction. I share your concern. We're talking about statecraft. These are big Thank offices. You. I mean, yes. this this is a big deal. Uh, the Canadian G7 summit, okay? Or throwing out a thing about Russia should be back in the G7. This kind of thing drives people with sensibilities like mine, and maybe you share some, uh, to distraction. It is the way he became president. Yes. And and when you heard Hillary Clinton, you could, with all respect, you could ask Hillary Clinton, is the sky blue today? And you would get 38 seconds of Beltway baffle gab out of Hillary Clinton. She couldn't answer a question straight. That's why she is not president. This is why he is president. The rest of us have to learn.
3: Well, and one of the things that came out today that w- that that really frustrated me. I've sat in front of the NATO military committee in Belgium, in front of all of our allies on NATO. Two things have happened in the last couple of weeks that I've been that have been very interesting to me. One, Germany is finally feeling the pressure to step up their expenditures Hallelujah. in NATO, which they haven't for decades. That's new. And two, um, when when our allies or the media say that Donald Trump is weakening our alliances how strong could they be if any one leader can weaken them because I guarantee you there have been weak leaders around the NATO table for decades and our alliance is still
1: strong molds have been tossed out rule books as Bruce was saying have been tossed out the window he's kicking people in the rear end Angela Merkel got in the way and and the fact is Germany was a free rider for years on, on our taxpayers, and I think this was a democratic issue that you guys forgot about. The
4: problem is that he is normalizing immorality and complete lack of ethics. Ooh. Donald Trump.
0: Oh, I wasn't sure.
4: Because he is – your point about the, the strength of the allies, and wh- and I personally feel as though we should slash our the United States military budget in half. So it, to the extent that NATO, other, other people are picking up more of their own military expenses, I'm all in favor of that. However, it does not mean that we can do that while, while – uh, while, while, while normalizing the tendencies of authoritarian leadership around the world and kicking in the teeth democratic, free, equal leadership around the world, which is what he's doing, he is he's, he's insulting all of our, our all of our, our ethical allies. As, as now, let me
0: ask you, let me ask you this question because we're, I, I, I want to come back to uh, the the Korean issue in a moment. But when when the president uh, went to the, the G eight, okay. G7. G7, rather. He leaves. He's on a plane. Trudeau then calls calls a press conference, and the president said he was offended by what Trudeau said after he left because he did not say those things while he was there. No.
4: Trudeau did say, say them. Donald Trump didn't hear them because he was asleep during the meetings. That's what
0: happened. How do you know he was asleep during the meetings?
4: Because people who were there said so. I've read the reporting. Numerous people have reported that Donald Trump was nodding off during the meetings. And Justin Trudeau said exactly the same thing during the summit that he said in that press conference. I believe Donald Trump when he says he didn't hear it, but that's do you, because Donald Trump is a doofus. Do
0: you, do you believe that when, when the president talks about tariffs and, and tries to protect American workers, is that gaining him votes or losing him votes in the United States? Yeah. You know, that's That's, uh, that's real. what I, I want to know. Is he? But when he says that, when he stands by his position, and he's got all of the allies saying that the president is a doofus, in your words, Yes. Okay, so that's playing very well in Ottawa and Berlin and every place in the world. In Paris. So, but, he but he doesn't how is do it that, Bruce. In Youngstown, Ohio? He
2: doesn't do that. If he's saying, "Oh, I got to do this thing for ZTE and save Chinese jobs," he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. No, 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 no,
1: no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. The ZTE job deal is yet another element of this whole Trump thing which people you know look I studied European diplomatic history I we you know I took all the tests wrote all the essays all of that stuff's gone out the window he got a phone call from chi and chi said I did you a solid on this uh, on this Korea thing I need and and that is how it was disclosed
4: well, let me in 10 we're, seconds let me tell you the answer we don't have is 10 because... seconds
0: we're going to have to wait 187238229 You'll hear Julia's 10 seconds, and we'll hear from Jorge from El Paso, Texas, as well. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays, and open late on Wednesday nights, at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce, do you want back in Chicago? Let's introduce our guests or have them introduce themselves, and we'll begin with Chris Robling. Go ahead, Chris. Bruce, uh, the first time you and I did this program together, I remember
1: I had just picked up the Heath kit uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a crystal set. Yes. I think you brought the crystal. <laughs> I brought the Heath kit. We assembled it and then we did that. Right.
0: Not that we're old. Well over well over 35 years ago. And not that we're old or anything. Exactly. have an aged well, you today. I was <laughs> but, you, but tell, everybody tell, tell everybody what you do now.
1: Uh, hard to say. <laughs> no. I'm working on uh, a lot of different things. Pharmacy, uh, pharmaceuticals, vertical farming, education, construction. Uh architecture, things like that.
0: And you do uh you're a commentator for WGN television.
1: Yeah, well I'm sort of I'm GN TV and I are in a in a in period of uh conversation. How does that sound? Well good luck. Well, Thank, hiatus. You you. Thank you. Over right. after
0: twelve years on the air with them. Julia Klein, tell us a little bit about yourself because we're getting a lot of email comments about you. <laughs> <laughs> you're driving the audience crazy, but tell them why you're here. That's good. Uh, tell them, I'm, tell them I'm what you do.
4: I'm here to keep you men honest and, and call our president a doofus. Um, I am a sales and leadership coach and a best-selling author. My book is called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Sleaze-Free Selling. It's all about how to get more of what you want in the world without being pushy, obnoxious, or rude. And it's fundamentally an attack on... Is that like calling
0: people doofus? Is that, is <laughs> it's, that rude?
4: It's fundamentally an attack on abuse of power. And it okay. is an analysis of a people who have been granted great power and who do not do proper actions with that okay. power.
0: Like Obama making his, the making his first appearance is Mike Corman, who is well decorated for those watching on television. Tell us a little about your very distinguished background, Mike.
3: Uh, thanks, Bruce. It's an honor to be here. I've been listening since the 90s uh, in Columbia, Missouri, where I went to college, so mm-hmm. it's an honor to be here. Uh, joined the Navy in 1987, Hunt for Red October, Top Gun, a few other things came out at the same time, and it, it enchanted me with the service. Planned to become a naval officer and became uh, became started as an enlisted man. Worked my way up, retired as a Navy Master Chief, held every rank from E1 to E9 during the course Met's of 25 years. In, it is a senior the senior yeah. enlisted rank mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq. I met a, a young one-star general named David Petraeus when I was in Bosnia prior to nine eleven uh... and then he allowed me to. Uh, well, he requested my presence <laughs> a few more times thereafter in combat in right. Iraq uh, and other parts of the world. So, spent 25 years in. Uh, what you see here is is a it's really a resume, but it's 13 personal awards, including the Bronze Star. Uh, which I was the first uh, enlisted recipient of the Bronze Star in Iraq or Afghanistan, which I'm very proud of. Wow,
0: thank you. We're honored to have you. Thank Thank you you you. for your service. Uh, Phil Beverly.
2: I'm still an associate professor of political science at Chicago State and um, moonlighting at the University of Illinois at Chicago in an administrative capacity, so straddling two worlds. wanted to thank my daughters,
0: uh, Dana and Kira, on Father's Day for being such great daughters. Very good. And to fathers out there, we wish you all a happy Father's Day. Let's go to Jorge, listening to us at KTSM in El Paso, Texas. Go ahead, Jorge.
7: I want to say that um, I, as an American Hispanic in American Southwest, have a history and can say of uh, the president that because with his consolatory and in the powers of the presidency, has brought a great peace to the United States with Asia, and for that he should be lauded and congratulated. And not uh, criticized in the way that Trump chooses to do because of faults that they think exist in agreement that um, in fact don't exist. And um, mm-hmm. but for Donald Trump, we could potentially be facing catastrophe on the West Coast, if not in Hawaii.
0: Jorge, right, let me ask you a question that, that has been uh, talked about this past week. Um, does it does it did it bother you that the American flag and the North Korean flag were such a prominent part of the stagecraft? For this event,
7: no, it didn't. It, it highlighted the fact that um, North Korea is a bulwark in Asia, and um, North Korea stands apart from South um, Korea. And because it does, it, it is stood there at the flag. North Korea, besides that, the United States says that the United States, America, has a presence in Asia on account of agreements and understandings that were reached with North Korea. Way two individuals involved in
0: okay. standing. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it, Mike Cormann. A question to you, as a as a longtime military man, did it bother you to see the two flags next to each other?
3: No, no, it didn't. And I'll say, in fact, I didn't even really notice. And here's why: uh, I've done many events with many flags. Uh, it's part of the stagecraft of of diplomacy. I w- just was thinking back to Reykjavik and Reagan uh, in Iceland uh, in the 80s. I would certainly say that at that time in our world. Having the American flag and the Russian flag next to each other, maybe not equivalent, but they're certainly cousins uh, from what we saw this past
0: week. What about the salute to uh, a North Korean general?
3: You know, there are all kinds of protocols that go along those things, along the, with those sorts of activities. Um, probably not something I would prefer, but if it's part of the stagecraft that is. Uh, the, uh, being part of uh, government, then, you know, it is what it is. I, w- I
0: would not you know, have done Bill, it. Bill, you're shaking your head. The,
2: for a guy who's been on TV, for a guy who is so ratings-driven, so media-savvy and all this, he really has bad optics at times. The, the G7 where he's sitting there like a petulant five-year-old being scolded by Angela Merkel and the rest of the, the G7 leaders, that's just bad
1: optics. How, how is he, he supposed I, to take I that? I Abe was on his side. It was actually, So, but I want to so say this about Don't uh, oh, sit there look.
2: like a five-year-old. Oh, gosh. Sit Phil. there
1: like, okay, I
2: hear what you're saying. I disagree, but I'm not. Should she be in his face? There's an optics thing, right? right. Well, I, I, I his don't his disagree face?
3: with the optics thing, but when, when my wife is angry at me, this is how I'm sitting. <laughs> and
2: I'm <laughs> and 50 <laughs> the, years old. The, and the key thing. difference is
1: you're not the President of the United States with five
2: billion people watching you.
1: Phil, look, He's not going to meet your expectations, or Julia's, in terms of how he should act. And, and look, I'm disappointed when he doesn't know what to do with a general officer from an adversary, if not, you know. Since a, we're a, technically an, still an, at
2: war with North Korea.
1: I know. And, and I, there were guys, I, I mean, there's a phenomenal Reagan story. There's so many great Reagan stories. Reagan was actually, once he actually asked his military aide, If he could salute somebody and the military aide said, you know, you're commander in chief, you can do what you want. And 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 that's how Reagan uh, got into this thing. He was asking if he if it was OK for him to salute the Marines at Air Force uh, at at Marine One um, because he wasn't in uniform. And the military aide said, you know, Mr. President, you are commander in chief. OK, so that's the kind of guy Reagan was. And that's not the kind of guy that Trump is. And you're going to have this problem, so we should talk about substantial issues.
3: Well, well, and we've had presidents, many presidents, even in my lifetime, that have gotten the optics of saluting wrong. So <laughs> no, it's not, I mean, if they got this one. I mean, that's and, right, and on both think, sides of the eye. But
2: you know what? It, it's not saluting our adversaries.
1: Okay, okay. Right, do do you get all what all I'm right. saying? Yeah, I, I do. No, no, when I, President I,
2: Reagan did that with Marines, right? those are his Marines.
1: Yeah, no. Well, no.
2: Yes. Not the marines, yes. marines of another. But again, I, I, I understand
0: when when, okay. when you had uh, President Obama go to the baseball game with Raul Castro. Uh, the conservatives yeah. were very upset about it. But that, but that's it. It seems to me that if you're the president of the United States, and you're trying to make peace, you know, you don't go into someone else. You don't go into a meeting and looking at all the things that, that, that many people wanted him to do, they wanted him to talk about human rights. If your goal for the meeting is to have the guy put down his nuclear weapons, I have to tell you, human rights is a distant second. To me, it's a, it's important, but it's a distant second. And, and, and it's, can and we it's, guarantee it, that, that he's going to put
2: them down? Pardon? Are we? Because when Pompeo was asked about... How are we going to verify the denuclearization? The guy went apoplectic on the reporter, like how dare you even ask a question like that? That seems to be the fundamental issue for me. The thing that Ronald Reagan said in in the START treaty was trust but verify yeah. when well, he was asked no, by a reporter. You think, you think no, Bolton no, won't uh, do that?
3: There's no, that will happen here, there's too. no there's, I don't know what Bolton's going to do. There's no let
4: denuclearization let let, that's going to happen. Let North Korea has given up let, nothing. Let, they're I just, giving up uh, nothing. But, but, Show well, me uh, when oh, they hold, get the things destroyed. Mark that tape. Mark that tape
1: because Julia might, in a couple of years, be proven completely right. She might be proven completely wrong. I don't think that anybody in the world, including Trump or, for that matter, Kim Jong-un, at this moment— can be as conclusive as our friend Julia just was. We don't know what's going to happen. What we know is things are better today. The Democrats had their hair on fire in August or September. Oh, he's going to cause a nuclear war because of his tweet. Well, the Democrats were wrong about that. We're all here today, and we've had a summit. Things are better than they were. Let's not talk about Obama and having his picture taken with the Che you know, the the great saint Che Guevara, who was a murderous thug of the communist regime in his background, that was set up by our White House, okay? We had a White House that set up a photo op with a president and a commie dictator and murderous thug, who was also a rapist, by the way, right over his shoulder, okay? We didn't have that on this occasion. And, And
2: communists have turned to fascists, and now they're okay.
1: No, commu- no, I know. I think because communism wasn't it Vladimir is an Putin, communism. the one who said, I want the exercises stop. Communism asked him ask him Vladimir that. Putin. Communism is a an offense to liberty at all times and in all cases. But your guys outrage, I believe, is selective, unfortunately.
0: Right. And 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 insofar as you made a, a comment a little while ago, uh, uh, Sergeant, and that was... If you call me Sergeant again, <laughs> master, master, Sergeant. master Chief. Read through it.
3: Read through master master it, yes,
1: no, no. Master Chief. Or just Chief. I was a Sergeant, Ma- was a Sergeant. Ma- just Chief. No, Master Chief, <laughs> Chief, Chief, <laughs> Chief. Master Chief, the
0: whole no Sergeant Star- Star- in the Navy. Sergeant. Sar- yeah. a Master, how about that? <laughs> yeah. okay. But the, que- the question that I have is that you, you made uh, you made a point that, you know, one uh, one set of exercises, whatever, which a lot of people are exercised about, canceling those shouldn't be a big deal. Do our Democrats acknowledge that? The problem, are, are you, as I said, the... the,
4: the He's, I'm sure that he's correct as far as the actual impact but that's what I, we go back to time and time and time again with this doofus of a president. He says things that are irrelevant and whether we do them or we don't really doesn't matter and we all just get to scream and yell about how unbelievably ignorant and uninformed Why? and stupid. All he, he did, is. all he did all
0: he all he did, all he did
4: was the commander in chief of the United States
0: armed forces and, and he command- blew off his mouth command- without telling his allies and, minute, or his own military command- that he was going to do it. And, as, as, as Mike said, others knew about that well in advance. And by the way, no, they as did not. the commander, in, you don't know that. You do not know that. All the reporting you has said, said that everybody was taken by surprise. Tongue. All yes, the are,
4: reporting. Okay?
0: Bruce Dumont back. Let's go to David in El Paso listening to us on KTSM. Good to hear from Texas tonight. Go ahead. Oh,
5: really? Hi, I'd like to make two points. Um, you have one member of your panel there that... Um, Sounds like a child when she uh, keeps calling the president a doofus. Um, I hope she realizes that her uh, ad hominem attacks really uh, belie any points that she's trying to make. Uh, she's just not credible. The second thing is that um, what I saw regarding the salute was the president went to shake the general's hand. Yes. The general responded appropriately <clears throat> by rendering a salute. To our president and that the president returned the salute that was the appropriate response the general was being deferential to the president and so i don't understand what the problem was now the president president trump is not the first president to have an awkward moment with a salute we can find video of president obama and other presidents who have had their awkward moments with salutes that's all I wanted to say. Okay, David. Here's one oh, of the and points. Oh, by the way, oh, by good. the way, I'm I, by the way, I'm a retired lieutenant colonel, West Point graduate, 23 years in the army. So Thank I know
0: a little bit a little bit about saluting. <clears throat> Thank, okay, Thank you, okay, David. Thank you, go, David. Before you go, I want to ask a question, which will set up conversation in the second hour. Okay, you're a resident of El Paso, Texas. My question to yeah. you is. What is your suggested solution to the issue of children being separated from their parents as part of a zero-tolerance policy at the border by the attorney general? What's the, what is your well, personal view from Texas?
5: I think the matter is being blown out of proportion. I think the president is, and the, uh, all the uh, members of the Department of Justice, uh, et cetera, are, are complying with uh, current law. Um, and I no, think it's uh, time to do that. The conditions under which these children are uh, being, uh, you might say, held uh, is not uh, draconian, as uh, the press has tried to portray. And I'm sure that the congressmen or elected representatives who visited uh, one of the detention centers today and will visit one tomorrow will uh, find that out. Um, I do believe, though, that uh, this just um, is one more reminder that we need to do something about the immigration system that we have. We need to tighten up the immigration. We need to secure the borders. And, and, and we just need to come up with a comprehensive plan to address all of the issues associated with immigration.
0: Okay, David, thanks very much. We move to Roger listening to us on KLBJ in Austin, Texas. Go ahead. Booming in Texas. Good evening. Hello.
6: A couple of points. One is uh, the one gentleman keeps complaining with it. Trump didn't get a detailed agreement with verification, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> this is the introduction. It's the opening act. It's not the final curtain. You know, there's a lot to go here. That lady that you have on there is a hater, and you're, she's exactly what's wrong with our political discourse in this country. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that uh, Trump got tax reform and deregulation, of, uh, st- all the regulation that, that Obama put in place that we have a strong economy and, you know, he's gotten those prisoners released and he's got great judicial appointments. He's been cutting government waste. He got his travel ban. He's defeated ISIS. He's cleaning up these bad trade agreements we're in. He's withdrawn us from that terrible Paris climate deal. And, you know, on the kids you brought up, Bruce, that are down there, you know, what do they want? These kids just to be put on, out on the street? Their, their parents are the ones responsible for bringing them into this picture. And, you know, at least they're in safe quarters where they're being fed, and they're probably in better condition than where they came from. And it's just a political football. I'm tired of hearing about it.
0: All right, Julia, I'm going to let you respond because uh, uh, he referred to you as a hater, and uh, there's been a lot of comments that have come in mm-hmm. uh, online uh, suggesting that. Uh, your, your rhetoric is, is way too personal and way too vindictive.
4: Yeah, um, so I get that, um, there's, I, I, and I don't mind at all that people who support Donald Trump dislike what I have to say about him. What about independence? doesn't bother me at all. I don't believe that anybody who calls into the show is an independent, but um, I, anybody who supports Donald Trump is not going to agree with anything I have to say, and that's not going to stop me for a second from saying what I have to say but, or but, moderating but, what wait, I say in they, any way.
0: Are they pieces of excrement, as Peter Scorch suggested? Struck, struck.
4: I, I don't think that he said anything about anybody who's called into your show.
0: Not into my show. He he Su- referred Su- to Trump supporters as pieces of excrement.
4: Well, I wouldn't use that language. But okay. anybody who supports Donald Trump without going out of their way to uh, to specifically uh, condemn the inhumanity, the corruption, the criminality, the disgracefulness with which he conducts himself in this office is somebody who I believe should have their right to vote revoked and their right to free speech revoked. That's me. Because that's insane. Well, you, want, you want my vote and I do, Chris. Speech. You and I. You and I. Because I, you, you are I an intelligent person. I, you're a compassionate person. That's all. And, I'm and at. you are. And, 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 I, oh, I, I no. believe you're a decent person. <laughs> and how it is that you are able to nod your head and get and, and and you'll listen to this list of of supposed accomplishments that this last caller just called in and said, say, so, yep, 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 that he's doing all that stuff without also saying, yeah, but he is he is he is an inhumane dictator wannabe who I roundly condemn. For all of his disgraces against humanity. If you without saying that, I believe that is that is just that's inexcusable, Chris. And I don't know how for a person like you who is a decent human being to not do that, I don't know how there's hope for the thirty-five percent of this country that are deplorables who are not decent human beings like you.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a deplorable uh 723 two three eighty two eighty nine, we've got another full hour coming up. Julia will return, as well as our other guests. We're going to be switching gears and talking about other subjects, so if you're talking about North Korea, uh, we'll talk to you about that next week. But we're going to continue talking about the situation at the border and other issues involving Paul Manafort and some of the president's legal problems, which Julia will love to recite to you. I'm Bruce back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I want to begin this uh, segment with uh, an email that I got from uh, Martin out in uh, Monterey, California. And it sort of sets up our discussion, which is uh, U.S. uh, policy as it relates to uh, separating children uh, from uh, their parents at the border uh, when they come to the United States. He said, hello, Bruce. Great program as always. I thought the international standard is that refugees should get asylum in the first free country they get to in the case of refugees from Central America. That is Mexico. Why would not we demand that Mexico, a rich and free country, do that? Uh, Mike I, would do imagine, well, I, I want to get Mike's reaction to that.
3: So uh, a couple things. I do think that there are standards that most of our nations have signed up for, and they should honor those standards, and those standards should be enforced uh, through, the, um, uh, through the, the international community and treaties that are out there. I would say not just here but also in Europe, Most uh, countries are not honoring those treaties, especially the asylum uh, treaty uh, for the first free country. Think Greece, think Mm -hmm. uh, Macedonia, think Bosnia—all places I've been and lived. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: And I would say that Mexico is clearly not a rich country, and. I would imagine that this person hasn't really visited much in Mexico to see that they don't have, I believe, the infrastructure to support an influx of asylum seekers like that. that a- that's and absurd.
1: That is absurd. Really?
2: Yeah. yeah and and we would think that they would be safer in Mexico if they're fleeing 18th Street or MS-13 in Mexico well, when it, when it, the drug look, cartels in Mexico are as violent as
1: – come I, on. I, I, I'm, I, we need to have a comprehensive – immigration policy. We need to have a border policy. And we have tried it a bunch of different ways, and it hasn't worked. And this president, again, is going to go outside expectations. I think that's actually contrary to what Julia has said. I think that shows how much he cares about this country, and how much he cares about our citizens, and how much he cares about citizenship in our country. Now, should we fulfill our obligations with international norms and standards? Absolutely. But the, the what we are seeing on the border today um, with respect to children should, for every person and every serious person who is concerned about this issue, absolutely raise the issue of trafficking and absolutely raise the issue of the difference between catch and release and full process, because under catch and release... What got the, the, the word that was sent throughout all of Mexico and all of Central America was if you show up at the U.S. border with children, then you are going to be processed as a family and you are going to be ticketed out. and Come given on, Chris. That's, just, that is that, an, that's right-wing is propaganda. An, no, that is that not is, factually is accurate. Absolutely factually no, that's accurate. Not. And this is why the Border Patrol supported President Trump over Hillary Clinton. And this is why the, the, members, the members of the Border, the border patrol. patrol... No, they, the su- they support the Trump union. because they are a bunch oh. of the heartless union. racists. They, okay. That's why
4: they support Trump. Okay. So Julia Klein say says they are
0: heartless racists. Absolutely they are. Okay. These are people who, who have... The, the Border Patrol people who Chris was just uh, wait was speaking it, just, Wait a minute. You, you have been on this program for like an hour and 15 minutes. I, I will tell you. I am... Uh, you and I are friends, okay? I am offended by your adhammed attacks on my listeners. Okay not just Trump supporters. I have a lot of people that are not Trump supporters. I think we got a couple of people at this table that didn't vote for Donald Trump, okay? But I am offended by the by the language that you're using to insult my listeners on this program.
4: I apologize you are for a, that, you are, a,
0: you, are a, you are a smart woman. We can talk about a lot of issues, and you and I would agree. I think when we can talk about some issues, we would agree on, on the treatment of, of women and children, on, on the issue of, of, uh, of dealing with... Uh, uh, solving the issue of illegal immigration. I think we would agree. I support a pathway to citizenship. I, and by the way, I congratulate the president on going much further than his base would like him to go. That is somewhat of a profile encouragement. courage. Um, in what su- 1.8 million on DACA. Giving, hold on, hold giving, on. giving citizenship a pathway to citizenship for 1.8 million people. He sort of, He supported that. Okay, that's uh, that's that's more than that's well beyond the seven hundred thousand. I'm I'm just I'm just back to the point. I want to go back one point, and then we can go back to the discussion. We'll take calls. I I I, I want you I I want you to be more respectful of my listeners. You will you will be a far more effective uh, 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 supporter of your position if you treat people with a little more respect. Because a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump or are listening to this program, they're not listening to what you say because your viciousness is so apparent. I'm just suggesting, as a friend, I'd tone it down a bit.
1: It's Trump derangement. And and not that you're deranged. I don't think you're a deranged person. I think you're a very smart person. But Trump derangement causes people to categorize and say, if you don't think X, Y, and Z about Trump, then you should have your right to vote and free speech so, withdrawn so did we heard that's not have what i said that?
4: chris I wanna, I, said no that is, I, that is not let's what that is not what i said and i, I want tape. to clarify let's it let, let's I, let her because clarify. i that I, that is not what i said what i said was that if you want to support trump and you do not carefully segment out yeah. the, the, the yeah. things that he does that are inhumane and I'm cruel, sorry. then that I, then I, I cannot ha- have any support with you whatsoever. And if I sp- said anything categorical about your listeners, Bruce, I am very sorry. And I did not mean to do that. And I will say, however, anybody who supports Donald Trump without making careful distinct- distinctions about the things that he does that are cruel, I have to assume that they support his Cruelty, and it's inhumanity. The so,
0: what, is so a, what specifically is the cruelty you're ripping talking
4: Ripping children away from their mothers while breastfeeding, which a Border Patrol poor person did. Telling a parent that you, I am taking your children away now and you will never see them again, so which I, a Border I, Patrol people I, have done on several occasions. I think,
3: I think that's abhorrent. I, Thank Let you. me just state that that's abhorrent. If and, it happens, happened, if it happens, have said that it, and, has, and
4: happened it has happened, happened many times. In if our country,
3: ever every single time we've used the term detention center for people that have not been convicted of a crime, it has come back to haunt us. It's Thank not you. good. And, and yesterday you. I was in a, in a street fair in Evanston, Illinois, talking with another family, and they said they're a Jewish family, and she said Parents were told their kids were being taken away so that they could have a shower. How do you think that resonates with the Jewish community? I am against splitting up the families, but I am for law enforcement officers getting home at night from their jobs, from their posts. I lost 16 people in Iraq. 16 people didn't go home from my command. As a master chief in the Navy, my biggest responsibility was making sure that people got home at night, home to their families. So I just want to state, the law enforcement officers, federal, state, local, they do amazing work and are to be applauded for that work.
4: I believe many of them do. And there are enough of them, and I, I, there are enough of them that do abhorrent things that, in a my few opinion, of them. Oh, in your that it's it ca-
1: it like, apos- like, Black,
0: in, Black in Lives them. Matter. In, in, in your, in oh, wait your, a second. Wait a minute, what what just, do you mean it's just about a minute, Black just a minute, Lives Matter? Just a minute. That's in your opinion, based on things you read. From probably very slanted news sources
4: like NPR,
0: yes, the uh, yes. BBC, oh, yes,
4: come on, NBC that is, is as slanted? mainstream is. as you get. That I'm not talking. Well, those, of, I'm not the, taking I'm not Mother mainstream. Jones no, here. If you don't appreciate about of
1: BBC about and, when we, main, we, and NPR, when then you see you're living we, in the liberal bubble. When we oh, so I should not watch Fox I, News. I watch BBC. I watch BBC. I watch French France 24. I watch. I listen to NPR. But I and I just the same way I listen to Fox, knowing Fox is slanted. I listen to those outlets, Thank knowing
0: you. they are slanted, and I know how to tell the difference. Thank you. Back shortly from Chicago. To my back, uh, we got lots of callers, wall to wall callers. Let's go to Johnny listening to in us listening to us in El Paso, Texas, on KTSM. Go ahead, Johnny.
8: Yes, uh, your screen to probably told you about my background. I'm retired military, too. I retired in 1983. I went in way back in 1963. Thank you. Anyway, I got out, and then I, a couple of years later, I went on and put the uniform on again and became a INS officer, and then we emerged into CBP. Okay. So uh, I here in El Paso, I saw work about six miles from where I retired. I retired from CBP about 10 years ago. So uh, when people come into, came into the country when I was working, it was all about credible fear. That's what it was all about. When you came into our country, we had some... Do you have a fear of where you're coming from? Yes, but that was it. Today, I am just, I'm just in horror at what I see. What's going on now? I can understand the lady's, uh, her, her rage and her, her feelings and everything about what's going on. Sometimes I do that too. Although I try to look at things down the middle. And uh, what I'm thinking right now, when I heard the president a couple of days ago say that, is the Democrats' fault. Oh, he better remember, he's named the Democrats for not wanting to buy a wall. I live down here. We don't need a wall <laughs> at all. Thank I don't feel, I don't feel, uh, scared or anything like that. I retired here after coming here in the military and retired after being in the CDC. When I go down there, when I get out and go out in my city, I don't feel scared. It bothers me one more time to hear him say it's the Democrats' fault because they don't want to put up money to buy a wall. That's my angle. I'd I'd be happy to take any comments
0: as much as you guys might have. Okay. Chris Roebling.
1: Thank you, uh, Mr. John, for all of your service and uh, appreciate all of that and your perspective. Uh, You know, uh, Ronald – I'm sorry. Donald Trump ran on that wall issue. It worked for him. And as we have seen, he is a very, very much more than usual promises made, promises kept kind of politician – So we're going to get more wall, and uh, I understand that it's not going to be wall for all 1,800 miles of the border, but there's going to be a lot more wall than we have now. And frankly, at this point, seeing how little things have worked out under the prior operations, I'm not in a position to say that that's a bad idea. The voters endorsed it.
4: I don't so know that we are so gonna here's the. I mean, back you. in January we had a bipartisan agreement, and that that to, I will say Donald Trump said that he agreed to. Lindsey Graham, Dick Durbin, and a number of other congressmen and legislative uh, elected officials walked into the room, had a meeting with Donald Trump, and and it was a big deal. We gave him a whole lot of money for his stupid,
0: stupid wall. Twenty five million.
4: And uh, as well as billion, there was, billion. A, there, was, a, there, was a, there was an arrangement for DACA. There there were agreements on immigration. It was all signed, sealed, and. Deleted. Delivered with a handshake, he walked out of the room, and John Kelly, Tom Cotton, and Stephen Miller got their hands on him. And he flip-flopped two days later and came back calling people. The president called him "whole countries." Why are we doing with "whole countries"? I uh, watch your language.
0: Yeah, that I said I'm only quoting the president. Cut that. Well, only that quoting the president still doesn't make it that uh, So, when I heard
4: so there's no reason to believe that we're going to get it. We're going to get that. That was the best, say, deep, best bipartisan deal we were going to get. Go
8: back, and, Johnny. Go back to you. Okay, he said that. I recall going in, during the uh, when he was president, an and I, I remember I listened very close. Now I'm retired, now I really see and listen. He said that Mexico was going to pay for the wall, which I knew they weren't. Right. How can we come from Mexico paying for the wall to us as taxpayers paying for the wall? I don't get it.
0: Okay, well and that you know what there's there's two issues. Donald Donald Trump, I believe he knows that with all the promises that he made, the one he absolutely has to keep for his base is he has to build a wall, something defined as a wall, whether it's the whole wall. There's, gotta be, there's got to be something that is, looks like a wall and walks like a wall. That's going to happen. Now, again, every Democrat rightfully will be able to say, you said that Mexico was going to pay for it, and up until this moment, it doesn't look like Mexico is going to pay for it. So both sides, politically, are going to be able to say something, take it back to the voters again in 2020. I don't think it's going to work much as an issue in 2018, but that's what they've got to do. But again, the wall is one piece. The bigger issue here is, I want to to go to to line three and Rick, and then we want to focus Focus on the issue of separating children from their parents. Nashville, Tennessee, Rick is the place. He's listening to us on a live stream tonight. Go ahead, Rick. Hey, how you doing there, Bruce? Okay.
9: Uh, I'm one of those deplorables that you, the young lady referred to earlier in the show. Yes. You know, af- after listening to her comments, uh, I would say she's a deranged person. She is not going to, she's suggesting that, myself and my comrades in arms give up our right exercise our right to vote because of our beliefs this is what hitler did in nazi germany does she realize this you know i suggest to her where was her outrage and her colleagues outrage when attorney general janet reno sent tanks to breach a civilian facility in waco texas Resulted in the death of several children, women, and men. No outrage, nothing burger. What about oh, there's Iliad plenty Gunn of outrage. Wallace? Yeah, well, not by the Democrats, it wasn't. There was outrage on the Republican part, yeah. Well, I'm There's a Democrat,
2: Democrats and I was outraged. So that well, were, sort of you, okay. overarching statement okay. isn't going to be always true.
4: So can I ask you a question? Okay, so Based upon I, what, I will, would you say, what, what did here, you... I will
9: accept
0: you were one that I know of.
4: Rick, Rick, what about Rick, really Rick, on Rick,
0: on Rick, Rick, one second, one second. Uh, uh, Julia wants to make a comment, then we'll go back to you, No, I want Julia. to ask you a question, because,
4: Rick, you said that you claim that you are a deplorable. I get it that you're playing along with my name. Based upon what? what? What is it that you think I'm using the word deplorable to describe?
9: I don't know. You tell me. You okay.
4: use the word. I think that, so, it's Trump hold, hold on. No, hold on, Chris. What, I, I asked it as a question, and I appreciate you giving me an honest answer, that you actually don't know what I meant. And so it's not fair. No, what hold on, Rick. What hold on, please. I listen to you. Please hold on. It's not fair for you or anybody else to call me deranged when you don't even know what the point is that I'm making. And so let me be you clear. Me hold on, Rick. Hold on let, on please point. let me finish. Oh, what, what,
0: what, but, but, but what did you mean by deplorable? I'm trying, and I'm ta- he's interrupting me. I'm, you, well, I'm, a- I'm oh, asking you the oh, question. Thank you, Bruce. What is deplorable?
4: I'm using deplorable in exactly the way that Hillary Clinton used it, which has been misunderstood. She was using it to refer to that percentage of our populace that holds outwardly racist beliefs. And without pointing to who they are, excuse me, me, hold on, without pointing to who they are and without naming how many of them there are, but with simply an acknowledgement that there are people in this country who hold outwardly racist beliefs, those people are deplorable. And I stand by that. And I'm okay, not. I'm are, not calling not anybody not racist. Go... I'm not saying how many of them are there are. What I'm saying is that there are uh, that whoever they are in this country
0: with outwardly racist beliefs, those are the people that I am calling deplorable. Right, uh, let's go you back to not... you, Rick. You wanted to make a comment about Elian Gonzalez as well. Yes, I was.
9: My point was, where was the democratic outrage when Elian Gonzalez was ripped with the arms? of his father at 6 o'clock in the morning in Miami Beach, There was a lot of Democratic outrage. There was
1: no Democrat. Hold yeah. on a second. A I, was second. A, I was an anchor at WMAQ Radio for the entire Elian Gonzalez period, and we could not find Democrats who would stand up and go on the air and oppose what Janet Reno and 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 Bill Clinton were doing. That did not happened. Now, you may say, Phil, that you were personally you. opposed to Hallelujah, hallelujah. But I'm telling you, there was no institutional Democratic opposition to what Janet Reno and Bill Clinton did. In fact, it was impossible to join that issue between Democrats. We had to have Republicans on.
0: All right. All right listen, President, Rick, thank, listen President Rick, Trump,
9: go ahead. Final President Trump is fo- President Trump is following the law. The law is you know, if you don't like the law, then change the law. But excuse me, but that's what we need in this country is law and order. Democrats have an opportunity
1: this week to change the law. And we all know what is going to happen. We are going to get one bill out of the House. It is going to go to the Senate. It will die in the Senate because Democrats in the Senate will oppose any change because they're not interested in what's happening at the border. They're not interested in the kids. They are interested in the issue.
4: So how did we get a bipartisan bill that Dick Dick Durbin and uh, Lindsey Graham uh, Graham put forward to Donald Trump, which Donald Trump did say okay to back in January? And then the hardliners blew it up.
1: Excuse me. I wasn't in that room. You weren't in that room. I don't know what was said. I'm telling you— it's. It takes place on the floor of the Senate. It takes place on the floor also, of the House. Also, there is going to be a House bill this week. There, I, I, will bet you, you know, the nicest scarf they sell at Marshall uh, Macy's. <laughs> they, that
2: you're old, there is Chris. Not
1: yeah, like I wouldn't prefer bourbon.
2: You're you're old, Chris Marshall th- 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 Field. Th- th- there
1: is not going to be a bill out of the key in so, so so that is so bipartisan. Thing,
0: you, you, you made you made a comment earlier about uh, about the the cost of the wall. In the most recent uh, legislation, in fact, I believe in the current legislation as well, the magic number is twenty-five million dollars billion 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 dollars that was going to be used to build the wall. The previous legislation, which did not make it all the way through, this is a bipartisan, Democrats as well. There, they were going to give forty-two. Million dollars. Right. This was the legislation that Louis Gutierrez supported. So going from 42 million to 25 million billion, as far as the wall is concerned, is 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 a significant amount of money. But it's it's less than what the Democrats wanted. And here I guess I guess a broader question I would have, and and this this gets back, and then we're going to take some more calls. Uh, in fact, you know what? Uh, I'll ask the question now. If you're arrested, if you went out tonight and and were arrested, Phil you would be taken away, and your children would not go with you. Right. You would be separated from your children. If you if if, if you were enforcing a law and you break a law, the thing that happens is you were separated from your life, you're separated from your children. So the question is, if that's the way we treat lawbreakers now and, and for hundreds of years, why should there be a special consideration for someone that is sneaking into the country breaking our laws. Why should their children automatically be able to come with them, go through the system with them? That's the question I ask. Oh. Everyone will get a chance to respond to it. When we and come everybody back. Everybody out there in Radio Land, will as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The Experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And uh, before we continue with the discussion, I have a... Very serious announcement to make for those listening in the Chicagoland area. Elizabeth Brackett, who is a longtime correspondent for Chicago Tonight on WTTW, has died. Uh, The announcement was made just a few hours ago. She was in a very serious bicycle accident uh, just a few days ago, and she went into a coma. And uh, the word has just flashed that Elizabeth Brackett uh, is now dead. I had the pleasure of working with Elizabeth Brackett uh, for many years. She was a colleague of mine on the Chicago Tonight Show. Show. And uh, when I uh, left the station, she sort of moved up and became uh, one of their high-visibility political reporters. She had a lot of activity. Uh, if you listen around the country, you may remember that name or that voice uh, from uh, public uh, television. She was a frequent guest on the McNeil Loose Hour. So, again, I know, Chris, you know her because you've been a guest on that show for many, many years. But, again, it's, it's, uh, it's shaken the Chicago Journalism community, again, she was a she was a quite a remarkable woman, a winner of many awards, a great reporter, also a, a triathlete, someone that literally was, uh, she was Facebooking, a Facebook friend, and you always saw her in a very active way, but again, she had a serious bicycle accident recently, and again, uh, she has now passed away, so our condolences to her family, and on behalf of everyone that knew her in the Chicagoland area, uh, we, we wish, we will miss her greatly, she was Quite a remarkable human being. Thank you. Uh, now back I, I to. I dare say she was yep. a
1: fan of yours in this program.
0: She wasn't. She was also a fan of the museums. She was a, a good political. She wrote a very good biography uh, on uh, Rod Blagojevich as well. She wrote the first book on mm-hmm. Rod Blagojevich. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to calls now. Let's go to Alan, listening to us on our flagship station, WCGO. <laughs> and go ahead, Alan, are you there? Oh. Alan, are you there? Have we got another caller? I don't see it here. Put it up a caller if we have it. If not, we'll go back to our discussion. I have, I have, a, I have a, 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 a mail, email to, to read here. Hello, I would like to ask your female liberal guest where she lives. Does she live in the thick of the cities that have been overrun by the illegals? I am from El Paso, Texas, and this city is Mexico 2.0. English is the second language here. The schools, hospitals, roads, stores are overrun by them. Does Julia have to deal with the effects of overrun illegal immigration? When is it time for parents of these children to be held accountable for their actions? Also, when is it time for the countries who are sending their people north to be held responsible? Your reaction.
4: So... I want to make a couple. So, first of all, yes, I live in a city, um, and part of the reason that I live in the city is because I greatly value diversity. I love walking down the street and hearing different languages being spoken around me. I love being able to eat different kinds of food. I love seeing people wearing different kinds of clothing. I value that. I think it's an it's an important part of what America makes America great. Um, what I'd like I'd like to make two other points. One is that um, in this immigration discussion, we can't lose sight of the fact that immigrants are what this country is made of, and I believe that it is a false argument. We we talk about these immigrants as if they are a bad thing. Whether they, in my opinion, I am I don't have much of a problem with people coming here and breaking the law to do so. I know that people disagree with that. But whether we're talking about illegal or legal immigrants, in my opinion, the people with the chutzpah to come from wherever it is that they are currently and make it to this great land. An earlier caller asked about, you know, why don't they stay in Mexico? So you see, this is Julia, the greatest Julia, country is, in the world, and Julia, people want to Julia, come hold here.
1: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You, you excoriate Trump people for being insensitive to your sense of uh, brutality or inhumanity or unfairness, how fair is it for you or for anybody to say, on the one hand, we're going to have a legal structure for immigration. And, you know, you fill out the form and you go to your embassy and you take your place in line and eventually your number comes up and you're admitted into the United States. And then for you to sit here and to say, okay, but I don't care about people coming illegally. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not offended at you personally, but I think that's crass and insensitive to the folks who are playing by the rules. And,
4: and so, Chris, it, we've got
2: a couple so, so. different things happening here, right? So I wanted to we, make a second we, point. We know that this wall, I know that this wall thing seems to be a little irrelevant seeing as... The DHS statistics say that most people who are illegal are here legally at first and then overstay their visas. So they came to the country the right way through an airport, a seaport, whatever, and then they said, "Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'll stay." That problem has to be addressed. Yes. This other problem on the border with a wall—I maybe we are not looking at the sophisticated tunnel systems that will just go under it. The, did we not learn anything from the French in 1940? You can't build uh, so, so, some solid thing and expect, oh, yeah, that'll keep everybody out. And we'll I, I, I think you guys, safe. as
1: liberals, as Democrats who want all of those votes on your side of the tally to turn Texas into a blue state are ignoring the cry of the heart of the American voters who saw this under Obama, who heard what Trump said. And they said in their wisdom and who am I to question it? They said we're going for Trump now. We've had enough of this. I, and I believe what is going on here is a question of the definition of what is America. And I, I resent the fact that people can say, oh, well, if you care about the folks who have played by the rules and stood in line to get their shot at being an American, you are insensitive to the okay. real America. My, so my. I, I, need,
3: I want to shift the wall. The wall is now the Atlantic Ocean. 1902, my great-grandfather, Johann Strasser, emigrated. And the first thing he saw of America was a lighthouse called the Statue of Liberty. Welcome. He came into this country with pennies in his pocket. He was run out of Luxembourg, had his citizenship stripped away, him and his sister. They came to America and made something of themselves in Omaha, Nebraska. I am now able to call myself a citizen of the United States and a citizen of Luxembourg because of the sacrifice that he made. We are a country of, of rules and the rule of law. We have done an extreme disservice to the immigrants that see this special place as the place that they want to be. I have lived in countries all over the world, and every single parent I have talked to has said, I want better for my kids than I got for myself, and I'll do anything I can to make it happen.
1: And, and, and when, when when folks play by those rules and they want to come to America, you know what? Between, as between them, on average, on average, as between those folks... And folks who are showing up, you know, goodness knows the trafficking that's going on. Goodness knows who's knocking on the door, et cetera, et cetera. And and I'm going to take the rule followers. There's another thing. We were talking earlier about kids being torn away and all this, uh, this imagery that is being used now by liberals to try and make an issue in time for what they hope will be a blue wave in November. I understand that. I'm going to tell you right now that I distinguish, Philip, very clearly between genuine asylum cases, right, and law-breaking illegal immigrants. How do we know which ones those are? Come on, Chris. If kids are getting ripped away as soon as they're showing up, how do we know what the asylum seekers are? There's a rule of law process, isn't there? Their answer is when folks show up and they say, I'm seeking asylum, they're asylum seekers. When folks go over in the middle of the night and they hop the fence somewhere at Nogales, that's exactly right. I appreciate the distinction.
0: Let me tell you a personal story. I was out with a very close friend uh, the other evening uh, and he is Mexican and for the first time he shared a story about when he came to this country. He came to this country illegally with his mother and he described being taken away from his mother and they were separated for three days, just three days. It was obviously traumatic to him but I asked him well how do you where do you come down on what's happening now? And his answer was that, if you, that he eventually went through the system, became a United States citizen. His father was a citizen of the United States, eventually became a citizen. But he, but he did all the work. He, he paid the fine. He took the test. His mother took the test. She learned English. All the things that you're supposed to do after she got here. And the point is he, said, he, he is not opposed to the strictness of this policy now. He sees a difference between those people that did it the right way and those that did it the wrong way, and he has that personal experience. you say that he and his
4: mother came illegally? Yes. How, so they, how, they, how?
0: As what Obama did, said, they, came, they well, got on, right wait, with the on. law. They, they came here, and once they got here, they decided they wanted to become citizens, right. and so they went through the process, and and they and they well, paid. N- they but paid people money, that are they coming they here illegally
4: today are not being given that same opportunity. That's not
0: true, Julia. you exactly right. what's happening. Julia, wait, wait, no. We're saying Julia,
4: zero tolerance. We're me, saying if people come here illegally, we're not giving them any kind of a chance.
0: We're stripping their children away. We're putting them in prison. No, 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 Julia. We are stripping. Wait a minute. We are stripping their children away because the parents they have violated a law now do you want the children to, uh, we aren't, we
4: need uh, what, to make the, a distinction on this because it because up until the uh, trump administration came into office the, the 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 crime of being in the country illegally was a civil misdemeanor this administration is the one that has criminalized it, Yes, and so, that is and so let, not true. let's not pretend. That is you not ask the true. Qu- it is true. No, ex- Julia. Excuse me. One second, Bruce. Julia. Hold you, on, Bruce. You asked the question before. Yes. Uh, why is it different if somebody commits a crime yes. and they go to prison? How is that any different? What's going on right now? And I'm saying the reason that it's different is because up until 16 months ago, this what people are doing on the border was not criminalized. Philip, it was a
0: civil misdemeanor. Philip, has the, Philip, I asked the question before the break, and that is if you were arrested in this country. You're separated from your children. What's the difference between separated from your children if you're breaking the law of coming into the country, which is the law right now? Go
6: ahead.
2: So there's a, there's going to be some sort of separation if that's the policy, but there's also going to be a presumption that I'm innocent yes. of a crime until a process has happened right. to that the burden of proof is on the state to prove that I did it. Right? And so... Unless you've got something compelling that you can show to a judge to say, we're going to deny him bail, we're going to deny him access to his kids, well, if being, that or, kind if of deal. Being
0: ar- if they're being arrested at the border.
2: Bruce, you have to understand, have uh, in, in my, my community, the, the relationships with law enforcement Not are good. often tenuous. I right? understand that. Because yeah. I had a, a grad school colleague who believed that arrests were indicators of crime. I said, you don't live in my neighborhood. Arrests are indicators of living while black in America. So understand that because there's an arrest doesn't mean necessarily there's criminality. So if
0: someone in the black community is arrested and goes... Bruce Dumont back. Uh, let's go to uh, line two. We have an immi- uh, someone who has identified themselves Vladimir. as an immigrant. Vladimir, go ahead, in Austin, Texas, on KLBJ. God, we're big
10: in Texas. Yes. Uh, good evening, guys. Yes. Good evening. Hey, um, yeah, <clears throat> my name is Vladimir. I'm from uh, Soviet Union, and <clears throat> like Julie said, that was uh, one of those uh, SH whole countries that I came in from. And um, I want to tell you that uh, it's uh, really sad that basically United States, the greatest country in the world, and I'm proud of you as a citizen, is being turned into or tried to be made uh, like, Soviet Union or like uh, Mexico Uh, question why is Mexico so many years Canada is number one country in the world United States one number one country in the world and Mexico for so many years cannot get their act together you know we used to have a joke uh, during those time in Soviet Union we said man who's gonna fix all this stuff in the Soviet Union maybe we need to declare war to United States and surrender week later So they can come and take what they want and fix things because nobody apparently in the Soviet Union could not fix. And uh, Julia Wall's work—I mean, look at the Israel—and we do need to have a common sense and and not to. I mean, I'm just like sometimes like listening the shows and it really hurts me to listen. How about US and this, how about US and that. And I'm living an example of greatness of this country. Mm-hmm. But it's gotta be rules. It's gotta be the law. Yep. And if Mr Obama did not take care, of, he could take care of everything. He could like open the border in the first two years of his presidency. He had it all. But you know what happens? They don't wanna do it. Because yep. that's just it, well, it's, it's, it's that's how you make money. No, I think I, I,
0: right. I, I think your your point is, and that it, it's been a tough issue for a long time. And Democrats have tried to be tough, and and in some cases, uh, they were uh, in the in the Clinton administration. They were very tough. Bill Bill Clinton was very tough on the same issue.
1: Oh, Obama right. was ex uh, right.
0: deporter in chief.
4: Yeah, Obama was very tough. Oh, enough. wait a he, second!
2: Actually, he deported criminals. twice as many as George Bush did. People who are actual criminals. Oh, wow! Not this that's false fascinating. We've, got, we've got to move on. Uh,
0: Chris Roebling, you. Uh, before we go I off the, I, I mean, we've been on. Been a, we've been a, an we've hour and forty five minutes. We've got A lot of issues. <laughs> the president has some legal problems. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking, talking about that's what about. I want to talk the, about. The, the, about Depart- the IG report, the,
1: the, the Inspector General report from the Department of Justice is truly. Th- this is a a, a a touch point in history. And for those of us of a certain age, it reflects, I think, very dramatically uh, the insights of the church committee hearings in the mid-1970s, yes. which exposed incredible abuse uh, under Democrats and Republicans by CIA and by FBI. And there were a lot of reforms that came out of that. In fact, the the, the intelligence committees that we now have, Devin Nunes and uh, uh, I forget the the Republican in the Senate who's the chairman, but the Senate and House Intelligence Committees come out of the church committee hearings. And I think to make a long story short, and and not to get into all of the Trump stuff uh, or all of the Hillary stuff, I think this has to be seen historically as an Obama issue because Obama was president. Obama was an attorney. Obama was a constitutional law lecturer at the University of Chicago. No more important Cabinet Department to Obama than the Department of Justice. And I think what is reflected in 580 pages of this report, where there is bias on every page and where there are mistakes on every page in terms of Justice Department procedures and FBI procedures, is that President Obama failed in his job to carefully enforce the law. He put people at FBI and at justice who would allow this to happen, and he didn't understand what was going on, or he was complicit okay, in what we need was to, going we, on. We need to okay. clarify.
4: We, can, we, can we, we are in danger of speaking very broadly, so I want to clarify you. So he, that Obama allowed this to happen, or he put people in charge who allowed this to happen. And in, as far as I understand from the IG report, there's two thises that were talked about. Number one was Comey. And how he dealt with the Hillary Clinton email investigation, part one and part
0: two. Got his hand slapped.
4: And then there was the second thing that was addressed in the IG report was the, was Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, the two FBI agents, who said very inappropriate things to one another over the text messages. And, and to my understanding, so let's be very specific. Is there anything else that the IG
1: report uh, no, no, covers it, that you... Yes, the, what yes, else, What Julia, else was in it? Are there the are, this are this 550 is. pages of mistakes in operating the investigations by the FBI and in overseeing the FBI by the Justice Department. So this doesn't come down to oh somebody had a bad day on one issue and somebody had a bad day on it. No,
4: which this inve- was beginning, are you beginning which to end, A to Z, which one investigation. To investigation. Are you? We're talking the about
1: the Hillary Clinton email investigation. That's the subject of this IG. I'm not talking about the Russian investigation. We'll get to that later.
4: Fine. So, so this was the, a
1: cataclysmic. Disaster is one. in our top, by the way, law enforcement agency and the Department of Justice. One, one of
0: the other things, because the House has been investigating this as well, the Inspector General, uh, uh, Michael Horowitz, he got emails. He got lots of emails, lot, or lots of text messages between not only Peter Struck and uh, his, his girlfriend Page. Lisa Page, but also there were three unnamed FBI agents who were also uh, exchanging. Uh, questionable comments about the president, derogatory comments about the president. But in the one text that's out there, let me quote from it. In a text message on August 8, 2016, Page stated, referring to the president, not uh, stated, is Trump never going to become president? Right? Right? And Strzok responds, no, no, he is not. We'll stop it. So, those again, are aeroport- we're, run- we're running out of time. That, that, to me, is a smoking gun. And here's one other brief thing. A smoking that, gun of what? I think it's bias. a did they gun stop bias. A bias. Why now, do you l- think bias me, doesn't let me mention, exist? Let me mention, because we rarely have evidence of it. We have, we have lots of evidence. Assume Here, it. Here's another piece, and I've got to leave you on this point, but it's important. It's gotten very little publicity, although Pete Williams on NBC, the first day this story broke, mentioned this, that the question was, why did it take the FBI so long from the moment they found out, or, or Weiner's Anthony Weiner's laptop, why did it take them over one month to look at it in the closing days of the campaign? And and Pete Williams, the NBC legal reporter, said that Mueller had announced that he did not know that Anthony Weiner was married to Uma Abedin, the number one political advisor to Hillary Clinton. How does the head of the FBI know that basic fact which everyone in the country knew because it was reported on mainstream media for months? Because he's in the tank for the
1: Democrats.